Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Nutrient Nerd Podcast. My name is Kaylee Larson, and I am a second-year physician assistant student at Drexel University in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. This week's episode will be all about the Mediterranean diet. This podcast is one of the final components of my final project prior to graduating in a few short months. For the past... 10-ish years, I have taken an interest to healthy eating and have challenged myself and my family to be mindful about about what we put into our bodies. Naturally, when I was accepted to PA school in 2021, I was excited to one day inspire my patients to do the same. As most of you know, PA school typically consists of about 12 months of didactic education in the classroom, and then we are sent into the real world for our clinical rotations. Now that I am nearly done with my PA school education, being in the final four months of my clinical rotations, I have definitely learned that it is important to stress healthy eating to my patients but I was disappointed that there was not more time to learn about specific diets in PA school. Because ultimately, agreeing to eating healthy is one thing, but actually implementing a major daily life change is complex and daunting for most patients. While choosing a focus for my graduate project, I stumbled across the Mediterranean diet because it has so many benefits across multiple health systems. My research began focusing on lifestyle factors to prevent developing Alzheimer's disease. Turns out, healthy, non-inflammatory diets, like the Mediterranean diet, have proven themselves over the years as ways to prevent cognitive decline. My research focused on Alzheimer's initially because my grandpa passed away from Alzheimer's in 2015. This is a chronic and debilitating disease that wreaks havoc on an entire family. It is difficult to witness a family member's memory gradually decline. There's no cure for Alzheimer's dementia currently, only some FDA-approved medicines that might slow one's cognitive decline. Naturally, given my firsthand experience, Witnessing a family member battle such a tough diagnosis, I wanted to look into lifestyle factors that can reduce one's risk of ever developing such a disease. Turns out, diet plays a huge role in aging, and long-term studies have found improved cognitive aging in people who eat the Mediterranean diet. Not surprisingly, Explaining the specifics of a diet like the Mediterranean diet to a patient in a short yearly visit also comes with its challenges, especially when there's not that much time allotted in PA school within a busy PA curriculum to learn much about specific diets. Hopefully this podcast helps with your confidence level pertaining to the Mediterranean diet and inspires you to share the knowledge with your patients. Again, welcome to the Nutrient Nerd Podcast. So let's get started. 
All my project components and now this podcast are targeted for primary care providers in family medicine. Primary care is the perfect opportunity to talk to patients about the specifics of their current eating habits. This can be done in a yearly physical exam and doesn't always have to be a dietitian referral, especially when resources are provided at the end of the visit for patients. Preventative medicine is so important for not only screening tests, labs, but also for learning about a patient's dietary habits. My research undoubtedly found a profoundly decreased risk of some of the most common causes of morbidity and mortality in the U.S. when people strictly follow a Mediterranean diet. Diet can easily become a talking point when patients ask about how they can reduce their risk of diseases such as heart attacks, strokes, and even debilitating neurological conditions like Alzheimer's dementia. A patient may share with you how a first-degree family member recently passed away from from a myocardial infarction or heart attack. Or a patient may inquire how they can work to prevent developing Alzheimer's despite their father's recent diagnosis. Especially since Alzheimer's does not currently have a cure, it is promising that lifestyle factors like the Mediterranean diet have performed so well throughout years of research. Instead of telling a patient that there is no cure for Alzheimer's, why not encourage them to improve their eating habits now to prevent cognitive decline later on? The Mediterranean diet, in fact, helps patients to reduce their risk of many prevalent diseases in the U.S. The leading causes of death in America in 2021 were as follows. Number one was heart disease. Number two was cancer. Number three was COVID-19. Number four was unintentional injuries. Number five was stroke. Number six was chronic lower respiratory diseases. Number seven was indeed Alzheimer's disease. And number eight was diabetes. Yes, many of these diseases may have a genetic component, but nearly all the causes of mortality on this list also have a strong lifestyle component as well. It makes me think, how many of these diseases in 2021 could have been prevented with something like a healthy diet? which is an essential component nearly always addressed already during an annual wellness exam. Even though these things are often being addressed during physical exams, there's still quite the disconnect between the clinician, the patient, and the food they are eating at home. Research has found that PAs and other clinicians are often not providing nutritional counseling to patients. This is partly due to the fact that many students are not graduating with a high enough confidence level to give nutritional advice. This is based on the results of surveys given to PAs. Another significant barrier to diet education would be the length of time allotted for wellness exams. Clinicians are expected to cover many things in a short yearly visit. Although this podcast won't make 
patient visits any longer. Hopefully, by the end of this lesson, you will feel more confident with the specifics of the Mediterranean diet. Understand some of its benefits related to cognition and other body systems, and be able to utilize some of the provided resources to more successfully inspire your patients to follow the Mediterranean diet. Before I talk about the definition of the Mediterranean diet, I want to ask four questions as a pre-quiz. Depending on your current knowledge level surrounding the Mediterranean diet, you may or may not know the answers right now, but that's okay. Listen carefully throughout the podcast because these questions will be asked again at the end with the answers to solidify your understanding. So number one, what is the primary oil that should be consumed just about every meal in a Mediterranean diet? Number two, how many servings of fruits and vegetables should someone consume in a day while following the Mediterranean diet? Number three, how much red meat is suggested weekly while following the Mediterranean diet? And number four, what are some suggestions for a patient who might struggle to access a grocery store or who may live in a food desert? Now, to begin talking about the specifics of the Mediterranean diet itself, the diet was first coined in the 1960s by Ansel Keys based on the dietary patterns of people living in Greece and southern Italy. Since then, the diet has evolved a bit and gained popularity beyond the Mediterranean region and also has been the focus of many dietary research studies. Interestingly, there's not one exact definition for the Mediterranean diet. In fact, I attribute this as a reason why there have been some differences of results that I found in my literature review. Although exact rules might differ depending on what definition or explanation of the Mediterranean diet you look at, the focus on certain food groups while limiting other food groups is similar throughout the various definitions. In general, this diet focuses on frequent consumption of fruits, vegetables, legumes, nuts, vegetable oils, and whole grain breads and cereals. It also includes moderate consumption of seafood, eggs, dairy, lean meats, and red wine, while limiting saturated fats, red meats, and sweets. I have attached a food pyramid in the show notes that is more specific than the average food pyramid that you may have seen in the past, but it gives a great visual of what should compromise the base of a pyramid when someone's 
eating the Mediterranean diet and what should be limited near the top of the pyramid. I will review some of the basics shown on this pyramid and I highly encourage you to reference this pyramid visual as well as have it available in your clinic for patients after you discuss this diet with them. Now I will talk you through the pyramid starting at the bottom, which is the base of the pyramid, and working our way up to the top. The base of the pyramid actually is not about specific foods that should be in the diet, but more about leading a healthy lifestyle in general. The lowest part of the pyramid encourages activities such as res regular physical exercise, adequate rest, and trying to find foods that are biodiverse, in season, local, and eco-friendly. Eco Next step up in the pyramid encourages frequent water consumption. Further moving up the pyramid, you should be consuming one to two servings of fruits with every meal and two or more servings of vegetables with every meal. This should be a variety of color and textures and these can be cooked or raw. Additionally, every meal should, should include olive oil and one to two servings of bread, pasta, rice, couscous, or other cereals that are preferably whole grain. Further stepping up the pyramid, every day it is suggested one to two servings of olives, nuts, or seeds, and two servings of dairy that is preferably low fat. Additionally, it encourages herbs, spices, garlic, and onions for seasonings while reducing added salt. And now we're getting to the top of the pyramid, which is the foods that we want to try to limit. These are foods that they're saying how many servings someone should eat in a week. So it says eat white meat two servings a week, fish or seafood more than two servings a week. Eggs can be eaten two to four servings a week and legumes more than two servings a week. Now we're one step from the top of the pyramid. So even more limited is less than three servings of potatoes a week less than two servings of red meat in a week, and processed meat should be less than or equal to one serving a week, so really limit those. And finally, the tip top of the pyramid is sweets, and it should be less than or equal to two servings of sweets a week. It also encourages eating desserts as sweets instead, so that it can get to your fruit serving without counting as a sweet. To still be nutritional. Also noted on the pyramid is wine, which should be drank in moderation. A small amount of red wine is okay. Next, I would like to discuss some of the benefits of the Mediterranean diet based on my research. The bulk of my research centered around the cognitive benefits of the Mediterranean diet. Therefore, I will begin with that. However, I'd also like to mention some of the other benefits because this would further emphasize the, po the potential health effects of this diet 
and hopefully encourage patients to follow this diet. A systemic review by Garcia Cesares, et al. 2021, reviewed 22 randomized control trials that looked at the effects of the Mediterranean diet on mild cognitive impairment and Alzheimer's disease. Of the 22 studies, 19 of them showed stati statistically significant findings related to the Mediterranean diet preventing the development of Alzheimer's disease. Although this systemic review notes how there were differences among the studies that make them not 100% comparable, these findings overall show, overall show that the Mediterranean diet could help lower the rate of Alzheimer's diagnoses in the United States and hopefully reduce the number of Alzheimer's deaths in this country. In my review of many research articles throughout the literature review that I performed as part of this project, I also found that a majority of the studies, although they all approached their research a bit differently, found an association between the Mediterranean diet and slower rates of cognitive decline. As mentioned previously, one main difficulty encountered in research pertaining to the Mediterranean diet centers around the lack of one all-encompassing definition. As a result, research often lists this as a confounding variable because research participants may be following different versions of the Mediterranean diet depending on the study. Ultimately, however, the Mediterranean diet has cognitive benefits and is a promising way of hopefully reducing the number of Alzheimer's cases diagnosed each year. This is crucial because it makes sense to focus on prevention when a cure has not yet been determined. This is promising for all patients, whether they have a family history of Alzheimer's or not, because aging in general is a huge risk factor for Alzheimer's in this country. And this research shows that the Mediterranean diet can reduce one's risk of developing Alzheimer's as they age. This is huge. Beyond the cognitive benefits, I also wanted to cover the Mediterranean diet's effect on some of the leading causes of death in the US, which I listed previously. The number one cause of death in the US in 2021 was heart disease, and the number five cause of death was stroke. There has been abundant research pertaining to the Mediterranean diet's effect on the cardiovascular system, and it is overall positive. In 2019, the American Heart Association published, published a systematic review in the AHA Journal that critically reviewed the 45 studies conducted between 2014 and 2018 that evaluated the effects of the Mediterranean diet on cardiovascular health. This proves that the evidence undoubtedly found the Mediterranean diet is, quote, the gold standard for cardiovascular health. This is huge given heart disease and stroke are profound causes of mortality in the United States today. Clearly, between the cognitive and cardiovascular benefits, 
all clinicians should be promoting the Mediterranean diet. Okay, now that you have learned more about the specific components of the Mediterranean diet and the benefits of these eating habits, I'm sure you're curious about some resources to share with patients. I have linked two websites in the show notes from Cleveland Clinic and Harvard Health. These sites are succinct, patient-friendly explanations of the Mediterranean diet. After educating the patient about the Mediterranean diet during their office visit, I would recommend making a dot phrase, which is a shortcut that can be used again when charting, on your organization's electronic medical record system. I would recommend including these links that are in the show notes, along with the food pyramid that was discussed today, and a short explanation of what was covered during their office visit related to dietary changes. This will greatly increase the patient's likelihood of implementing the Mediterranean diet into their life because it's helpful to have a reference of what was discussed during the actual wellness visit. Moreover, this podcast would be incomplete without mentioning some of the prevalent barriers to healthy eating. Strictly following dietary restrictions is complicated from both an informational and life implementation standpoint, but also because of financials and logistics. Unfortunately, not everyone in this country can easily access a full grocery store. Food deserts are areas where residents have no or minimal access to groceries with healthy and fresh foods at affordable prices. These food desert communities often only have convenience stores accessible with a stock of mostly processed and pre-made foods that are not components of the Mediterranean diet. Also, patients living in these food deserts might not have the time or money to travel far distances to grocery stores with fresh produce and healthier options. This is a vast problem that cannot be solved in a yearly preventative visit, unfortunately. But I bring this up so that you are cognizant of the struggles some patients are facing. When encouraging and teaching patients about the Mediterranean diet, part of the conversation should also involve accessibility because patients will be more likely to implement this diet if they have brainstormed ways to combat these potential barriers. One suggestion would be to research any resources or programs that your local community may already have in place to promote community health. Some communities have local food pantries or other resources to connect people with healthy produce and other foods. My current rotation is in Racine, Wisconsin, so I did some research on food programs in this area. There are multiple food banks available and even some food kitchens that serve healthy meals. Most communities have organizations that are working to give people the food that they need. Also, I recently donated cans to a food pantry and they were only accepting cans of fruits and vegetables for this promotion. I thought this was a thoughtful idea because food banks should be giving patients nutritional healthy foods. 
Although fresh produce is ideal, if cans are all that are available due to cost restrictions or living in a food desert, a patient should be encouraged to choose healthy canned goods such as fruits or vegetables. Overall, it is important to remember that many barriers exist related to healthy eating. Before I wrap this podcast up, I wanted to swing back to the questions I presented at the beginning of this podcast. I will ask them each again with some time for you to think about each one to check your understanding. Good luck. Number one, what is the primary oil that should be consumed just about every meal in a Mediterranean diet? The answer is olive oil. Number two, how many servings of fruits and vegetables should someone consume while following a Mediterranean diet? They should consume one to two servings of fruit each meal. So this would be three to six servings of fruit per day. As for vegetables, they should be consuming more than two servings of vegetables each meal. So at least six servings of vegetables a day. Number three, how much red meat is suggested weekly while following a Mediterranean diet? The answer is less than two servings a week. And number four, what are some suggestions for a patient who might struggle to access a grocery store or live in a food desert? Some of the things that I suggested were to look into food pantries or other community resources. I think it might be a good idea to have a printout or brochure available in the office to give to these patients who want to eat healthy but do not have the financial or transportation means to do so. Additionally, I encouraged fresh produce if possible, but for some people, if they only have convenience stores, there might be some frozen fruits or vegetables there, and that's a good alternative. Otherwise, canned fruits and vegetables would still be fine to get those nutrients. Today, we talked about the Mediterranean diet and all of its benefits. We, we talked through a food pyramid, which stresses what food should be eaten more frequently and which food should be limited. Frequent consumption is encouraged of foods like fruits, vegetables, legumes, nuts, olive oils, and whole grain breads and cereals. There's moderate consumption recommendations for seafood, lean meats, eggs, dairy, and red wine. At the top of the pyramid, things that should be limited would be saturated 